to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guest is J.J. DiGeronimo, who is Chief Executive Officer of Purposeful Woman. Today we will discuss advancing your professional brand via social media. J.J. is a businesswoman who loves her work and her family. She has developed leadership strategies designed to increase the influence and impact of working women. In her books, her blogs, and her presentations, she strives to help high-impact women prioritize, align, and achieve their individual goals. She is also the founder of Purposeful Woman, Tech Savvy Women, and Journey Charms. She's the author of The Working Woman's GPS and a spokesperson for science, technology, engineering, and math. JJ, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. When we talk about social media. I know this sounds like everybody knows what social media is, but what specifically are we talking about? How do we define social media for purposes of this discussion? That's a great question to start with. And I think sometimes, you know, people immediately just think of Facebook, but when we're talking about professional brand, social media is really focused on platforms such as LinkedIn and Twitter and potentially Facebook fan pages. And it's really focused on the professional. What do you do when you're first starting out? Do you go out there and start a channel everywhere? Or should you watch your resources more carefully before you get started? What What's the best first approach? Great question. So the first thing I would say is to determine what your plan is. Really, what are you trying to accomplish? Are you trying to gain more customers? Are you trying to define your next role? Are you growing your business and need new employees? Are you looking to partner with new organizations? Really understanding what are your top priorities uh, and through those top priorities, really understanding within those priorities, for example, say you're looking for new partnerships. What types of partners are you looking for? What do they look and feel like? Do they already have profiles up, fan pages or company pages? And uh, what are they already talking about? It's always good to understand where you're starting from and where you want to go. And then based on those criteria, it then helps to say, okay, what type of foot do Facebook do I have to put out there? What type of information? What am I going to say about where I am and where I want to go that are going to attract these types of people, partnerships, new employees to my business um, or to me as a person that's looking to advance myself in my career? What, once you start with, once you understand, you know, where you want to go, then you think about, okay, what do I need my profiles to say about me, about my business? Uh, and I do a lot of work with uh, executives to say, okay, where am I starting from? What does it say today? What are the jobs or things I've accomplished in my business? Where do I want to go? And we put a summary together. And sometimes that starts with your resume, right? If it's a professional goal, it starts with your resume. If it's a, a business goal, it starts with the business's annual reports and things you've accomplished. And then we blow, and then we actually uh, take the next step of saying, okay, where do I want to go next? And I put a nice summary together, and you take that summary, which is essentially a bio, per se, if it's a person or maybe a company profile, and you start to build your presence. So many people have a LinkedIn page personally, but it's really about expanding that summary into talking more about where you've been and where you want to go and why people should care. 
If it's a business, it's updating your company profile pages on the different platforms such as LinkedIn and Twitter, Facebook, Google+. When you look at those goals, we're talking about advancing a professional brand. Should you be looking at establishing a personal connection or should you be looking at a more generic outlook? And I ask that because a lot of times you hear people say that people do business with people, not with companies. But if what you're doing is branding your company, then should you put your brand out there only? How, how do you make that decision? Well, I think there's two approaches. One, you know, you have to properly, if it's a business, you have to properly communicate what the business is and what the benefit is to the bottom line, right? What is it that you help other people or other companies do? Uh, so it's always great to have a good profile or a good summary of the business. However, to your point, business is done person to person. And uh, you say you're the president of an organization. You have a company profile and then you have your personal profile, which the president of the company will then establish relationships within social media uh, and look to you know further those relationships in person, either at conferences, through Skype, or um, over coffee and, you know, really using social media as an opportunity to identify key people uh, that can help you advance your business and vice versa. You can help them advance their business. And uh, it's just a great way to get a quick summary of people that are out there. I use a lot of groups, which we can talk about later in the call. But I think that there's two different personas out there generally. If you're a business owner, there's your business persona and then there's the executive leadership of that business. If you are an individual, which I spend a lot of time uh, with executives and particularly women on this because they don't do a very good job at, at really articulating the value uh, of the work that they've done to date and the goals of moving forward is really focusing on your individual profile, uh, joining the right groups and really being part of, of a discussions related to your area of expertise. And that generally drives one-on-one -on -one conversations. Let's go back to how you pick which channel or channels to work with or to have a presence in. I know you said that it's based on your goals, but are there media channels where you with a generally speaking executives, for example, should have a presence or does it have to do with the type of business that you're in? Are there businesses that you would say, no, you don't need to be in social media? How do you, is there some way to, to start that isn't just goal oriented in terms of what your company wants to do, but some formula, if you will, that says, well, if I'm in the, I don't know, mortuary business, I don't need to be on social media. If I'm selling bail bonds, I don't need to be on social media. Or does everybody need to be on social media? Well, a lot of work. I mean, there's so many statistics out there today, and I could drown you in statistics of social media, but the one that I like uh, that really is, I think, relevant to your question is that, you know, there were basically uh, 8.7 billion professional searches uh, in LinkedIn just last year in 2012. And, you know, I think as an executive or a business professional, not being on LinkedIn at this point is probably detrimental to your professional brand. Uh, I see many executives now um, dabbling in Google+. Plus. I think that can will continue to gain more momentum, but I think LinkedIn is a must. 
And within LinkedIn, you can easily connect it to Twitter so that if you make a comment or an update or a post on LinkedIn, it will automatically populate your Twitter account. So I think from a professional standpoint, those two are probably go hand in hand. From a business perspective, I think most businesses at this point have a fan book page on Facebook because so many, uh, especially if you have a consumer-based product, uh, B2B uh, businesses generally have a LinkedIn company page uh, as well as consumer businesses. But I would say that it probably more relevant is to have a company page on LinkedIn, especially for B2B businesses. Do you have any data that links the impact of the presence to branding? In other words, is being out there truly making a business impact, a branding impact? I saw, and I'm battling to remember who it was, somebody recently from a fairly large nonprofit who went on the record and said, it's not enough to be out there and it's not enough to be liked. You can have thousands or hundreds of thousands of likes, but if people aren't donating, it doesn't make any difference to us. It doesn't doesn't benefit our bottom line. We need to find a way for people to be active, and this channel isn't doing it for us. Well, you know, there's a whole statistics game out there, and, and there's specialists that just monitor the statistics of who's coming to your site, how often they're coming, what do they click on, how do they get to you. And so there is a science behind driving traffic to a specific initiative. I think I see a lot of companies that sort of do a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but they aren't really putting the metrics behind uh behind their actions, and they aren't really identifying what's working so they can continue to do more of that. So I do think there's a lot of metrics out there, and I can pull some up for you. Uh, but again, I think it really goes back to understanding where you're trying to go and then picking the platform that is best suited for that. And so you know, LinkedIn is an incredible tool to connect with experts, drive knowledge across your customer base, uh, LinkedIn is a great tool for several things. One is getting connected to experts in your industry, understanding the general communication and chatter in a particular discipline or association, hiring employees, a great place to get great candidates, and then also promoting yourself and your own initiatives across a general uh, scope of professionals. Along those same lines, what would you say that Facebook is good for? So Facebook, I mean, and we can talk about multiple profiles and such like that, but Facebook is a very personal one-on-one -on -one connection. And, you know, personally, I choose not to use my Facebook page for professional reasons, my Facebook personal page. So JJD Geronimo, that is for my friends and family. I share family initiatives and um, things I'm doing personally. Now I do have I do have fan pages and my fan pages such as Purposeful Woman are professionally based and because I work one on one with folks I do have a lot of followers through Facebook via my fan page rather than my personal page uh, which is by my name. So individuals who have a personal brand should have a Facebook 
or should consider having a Facebook page versus a LinkedIn page? Well, no, I think professionally, you always have to have LinkedIn. That box has to be checked. And then anything, you know, if you want to build a Facebook fan page, which is different than an individual page on Facebook, uh, a fan page is more of a splash page of your business, what you're working on, uh, and general initiatives, which differs from your everyday page. What about, say, YouTube? Yeah, so YouTube is the second largest search engine outside of Google, and uh, I'm very active in, in YouTube. I build many, many videos. I pull them through, or I copy and paste the video links into both my fan page and my LinkedIn account. And LinkedIn has just added new features that allow you to post video right inside your profile. When should businesses and professionals who want to brand or expand their brand use YouTube? So YouTube is a great way to capture capture and showcase knowledge, capture and showcase customers, capture and showcase... uh, best practices, top 10 lists, those types of things. It's a great way. And because YouTube is the second largest search engine, uh, it's really a great opportunity for people to put a face with the name and feel like they connect with you on a visual level. Do you have any statistics linking professional use or access to YouTube? In other words, are people in business taking time out from their work day to go onto YouTube and watch branding videos? Um, I don't know if I've seen it of taking time out of your day, but I definitely, there's plenty of statistics out there about how often YouTube is referenced and how um, many YouTube's videos are uploaded and viewed in one day. So again, it has to go back, I can't emphasize enough, it has to go back to your goals. So if you are trying to get a new position and maybe you're out of work and you're trying to get a new position, creating a YouTube video of your expertise and uh, highlighting the things you've accomplished in the direction you're going and then adding that to your LinkedIn page so people can get a feel of who you are is a great idea. If you're launching a new product, using YouTube to highlight the new product in a Visual format is a great way to uh, get the word out. If you have customers that are interested in highlighting how they've leveraged your product, such as customer case studies, interviewing a customer through Skype or Google Plus Hangouts and recording that and then posting that up as video is a great way to get out of the flat-based text environment. But I think most executives are just really getting comfortable with social media, and that is almost like a 2.0 activity. I think most executives really need to take a look at their current profiles because what I find is that the resume says one thing. Uh, When they talk on interviews or in person, you know, they have a different talk track. When they post their social media profiles, they have a different uh, area of expertise. And what I really encourage executives to do, whether you're a business owner or an individual contributor or you lead uh, a, a large team across the globe, is really getting crystal clear on what is your bio. Where have you been? Where do you want to go? Make sure all your profiles mirror each other so that regardless of where somebody finds you on the Internet, they are very familiar with who you are and what you bring to the table from a professional standpoint. 
And there's a great way to kind of see where you're starting from, and that is to Google yourself. So you put your most common name that you use. So mine's JJ DeGeronimo. You put quotes on each side, and you Google yourself. And there's a tool in the top right-hand corner that looks like a little wheel that you can change it by date, by month, by year of uh, what type of content you're like, what has happened over the last month with your name on it, what's happened over the last year. But just first do a general search, JJ space DeGeronimo with quotes on each side. And, you know, the goal is really that you take up the first page of your name. That's, of course, if you don't have a common name like, you know, Bette Midler or something that might be more difficult to pick up the first page. But a, a, a name that's not as common, usually you can take up the first page of activities and really get an idea of what are people seeing when they Google you. So before you have that coffee meeting, before you have that uh, professional meeting or interview, what are people seeing when they Google you um, that's coming up from a an online perspective? How do you link your social media to metrics? How do you know what impact your social media activities are having and which channels are succeeding in the, the goal areas that you've set out for yourself? So it's interesting because on a personal level, you can sort of just see in likes and comments coming back to you. And if you have somebody that's managing a web page for you or you have a company web page, you can easily add tools uh, that, that can identify how many visitors you're getting a day and where they're coming from. So, you know, I really think working with your web uh, solution provider or your web manager to just get the statistics of where traffic is coming from and what's driving that traffic. From an individual standpoint, uh, on most social media platforms you can see, including LinkedIn, who has viewed your profile that day. And I really think that's a helpful tool to kind of see who's interested in you, what type of activity are you creating, and how... Um, Who's interested in the content you're posting? What about Twitter? When should you use Twitter? What is Twitter useful for? Uh, you know, I gain a lot of knowledge from Twitter. I follow some pretty amazing people uh, in my discipline, which is uh, women leadership and women in STEM. And Twitter is just a great way to quickly see what the common talk tracks are, popular topics, and who are the real experts in the field. And I generally look at Twitter on my phone when I'm standing in line or at a red light or, you know, somewhere that I just have a few seconds and just want to scan some content real quickly. If you're making a decision as to where your audience is coming from, as you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, that when you look at your statistics, they can tell you where your audience is originating. What should you take into account when you look at these channels? For example, the most recent data that I've looked at says that the majority of Facebook users is outside the United States, but the numbers were pretty high, something like 90% of Facebook accounts were outside the United States, and that actually the last set of numbers I saw was 6 million people in the United States alone had closed their Facebook account. What kind of relevance is that having, or is it having any relevance in this decision-making process if your 
audiences in the United States should be looking at that? You know, I think it depends on what your product and solutions are. And if you find Facebook as a relevant source for getting additional customers, I would find that most professionals would probably not view Facebook as a professional tool unless they are in the consumer market where their fan page drives traffic. Uh, I really think from a branding perspective, uh, especially personal brand, most of your activities should be on LinkedIn and Twitter and uh, potentially Google+. I think as a company page, if you're selling to the consumer, right, uh, Facebook could be a very relevant choice for you, especially if your consumer type spends a lot of time on Facebook. Well, one of the articles that I saw said that most Facebook users, when surveyed, said that they didn't like to be sold when they were on Facebook, that they didn't want anybody trying to reach them with their corporate message on Facebook. So how does that sink in with the idea of having a branding page for your retail product on Facebook? The beauty of Facebook is that many consumers actually proactively go out and follow Facebook fan pages of products they like. And, you know, they actually are opting in. So generally, you know, you can buy advertisement on Facebook uh, and you can get additional users uh, or viewers or eyeballs on your fan book page. But a lot of times people are opting into following fan pages. So it really is a choice of the viewer. You mentioned Google Plus a minute ago. Would you tell us what that is? Uh, Google Plus is uh, obviously Google-owned platform that uh, you can go in. It has a very similar look and feel to, uh, well, I should say it's a, probably a combination of LinkedIn and Facebook together. You basically have, you're following certain people. You can start Hangout Chats, which is very similar to Skype. And it's just another social media platform that uh, has definitely gained some traction over the last year. I think a lot of people like the fact that all of the applications are integrated into one spot. So you can do your photos, your videos, your calendar, your uh, email, uh, and you can do video chats all in the same platform. And so, you know, for most uh, social media amateurs, you know, it's a great place to uh, take a look at, but I really would spend a lot of time on my LinkedIn page. And as you get the content in a place that you're happy with, you can then go populate your Google Plus platform, very similar to your LinkedIn content. What can you tell us about privacy issues? There's been a lot of talk and a lot of concern about privacy, gathering of data, of course, recently with all of the national security and the government surveillance, it's mushroomed. But, of course, this has been going on for years now. What role, if any, do you think that that should play in your branding and in your choice of channels? You know, I'm a very big advocate of privacy. I generally only allow people I'm connected to to see content. And every platform has a, always has a privacy tab and it's always a click through where you can easily change what people can and cannot see that you're posting. And uh, if you're looking for a new job, say you're an existing job looking for a new job, I always encourage people on LinkedIn to go into the privacy setting, which if you hit your picture in the right 
you click on your picture in the top right-hand corner of LinkedIn, about the fifth one down says privacy settings. You click on there and there's a box that says, um, do not show my updates, meaning you're updating your profile, you're updating your content to better position yourself in the marketplace. I always encourage people to unclick that so that it does not, it, it says show my updates, you unclick it so you do not show your updates so people don't know that you're updating your profile. Uh, most privacy and settings and all the tools, LinkedIn, Google, Twitter, Facebook, are very easy to maneuver and pretty self-explanatory. It's just taking the time to actually go into each one and set up your privacy settings in the way you choose. Oftentimes, people receive invitations from strangers or people that they have barely met through one of more of the different social media channels. What is the proper etiquette? Is it appropriate for someone that you've never met to send you an invitation and should you accept it? I think that's a great question and I really think it depends on the person. Uh, you know, I generally take a look at their profile, see what groups we have in common, understand if we're in the same industry or we have the same interests or how they found me. Generally, they, they can identify in LinkedIn how they're reaching out to you. In fact, unless you're uh, have previously worked together or they have your email address or they're in the same group, they cannot email you without leveraging an in-mail, which is essentially a token that they have to use uh, to reach out to you. So you generally have either, they either have your email address or you're in a common group uh, for them to send you an invite. I generally accept most invites that are aligned with things that I am focused on. Uh, because you never know when you need a connection to a third party. And uh, if you have, say I was interested in meeting you and I didn't know you, I would actually look on your page to see which connections we had in common. And if we had a connection in common, I could then ask that person to connect the two of us together. So I think having a few more connections um, is helpful, especially when you're trying to get to people that you may not know, but the relationship may be mutually beneficial. What about safety? In recent months, LinkedIn has been compromised and Twitter also has been compromised. They've been hacked by third parties uh, who have had access to hundreds of thousands of their accounts posting bogus material. What, if anything, can you do to protect yourself from incoming and having your account be compromised? Well, I guess it would just matter what, I mean, so is the question people are getting on to your account and pretending that you're there you and then going out and asking for requests and posting material or is the question that they've gotten email addresses and some of the content out of the database by Twitter and LinkedIn? I'm not sure the technical aspects of how they were compromised, but Twitter and LinkedIn, from what I understand, were hacked so that outsiders were gaining access to individuals' accounts and were posting information using their names that wasn't them. And yeah, so see. people were receiving information that was bogus, and people's accounts were posting information that didn't come from them. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a good question. So, uh, so there's a couple things. One, you know, you're not going to be able to live without social media these days. So the fear of joining be that may happen is probably very, very rare. And if you're in there on a regular basis, you can delete anything that anybody posts on your behalf. Uh, but I, I really think that it's not credit card information. It's, you know, people don't watch it so closely that, uh, and they can't really get pictures of you. So it's really text-based content on LinkedIn and Twitter. So I, I really don't see too much of a risk by joining these accounts based on that media. I, I think that you're at a bigger risk of not joining them because without having a profile, I think people aren't really sure how legit you are if you don't really have a profile that fully describes who you are and what you've accomplished. Is there anything that you can do not to not be present, but to protect yourself. Sure. You can go in the privacy settings, uh, obviously, and all the platforms, and you can select in many instances that you only, uh, that the people that you're connected to are the only people that see your posts, that you uh, want to approve any posts uh, that have your name referenced to them before they're posted within your profiles. Uh, and that you can uh, minimize um, the sharing and content to a particular group of people you desire. So I do think there are things that you can do. Uh, I think that uh, there is limited risk. I really do believe there is limited risk with social media. And as I mentioned before, I think there's a bigger risk of not properly representing yourself on social media. We know that tablets have become, if not ubiquitous, certainly a must-have tool among executives with more than half of Americans acknowledging ownership of a tablet. And, of course, smartphones are ubiquitous. So mobile technology has taken social media to the next level. Would you tell us what that role is and how you can integrate it into this branding of yourself that we're talking about. Right. So that's great. So, yes, so tablets are everywhere. Uh, The one thing I would say is put a password on your tablet, especially if you have have selected that your password and username, username and password is automatically logged in, because if you do not have a password on your tablet and you have immediate access into your social media, if someone picks up your tablet, they could represent you. Uh, because they have your tablet and you're already logged into these accounts. So you very very uh, well protect yourself and protecting your tablet by putting a security code and even going to the lengths of when you click into these social media platforms, you have to enter your username and password each time so that you do not get immediate access into your profiles without having a username and password on your tablets. Uh, I think, you know, from a branding perspective, the first step is really getting your own profile up to date. Uh, and then, you know, being, uh, once you get your profile up today, I always encourage folks to join relevant groups because the groups really are where you get a lot of relevant content to where you are and where you want to go. And, uh, with having it on the tablets, you can quickly scan through groups to see what the common conversation is, who's starting the conversations, who's commenting on it. And you see many people in coffee shops and bank lines and all at the beach these days. With their tablets, just reading content is everywhere. And really being able to find relevant content quickly is the name of the game. And then being able to post, right? So then responding to content 
that is relevant to your industry or relevant into to your professional uh, brand is great because getting your name out there with posts and reposts and commenting on the posts again elevates your status and your brand because you're commenting within a like group of people that are all sort of working in a particular industry or a particular uh, initiative within an industry. What kind of etiquette tips would you share with us, JJ? For example, we know that if you're emailing someone, it's considered bad form to use all caps because it's the equivalent to screaming. Does that apply when you're on social media channels? And what else would you say? I say that my first is always be genuine, right? Be genuine to who you are. Be thoughtful of people's times. You know, I get a little aggravated when I get, uh, you know, direct media or direct requests for um, reference. People want me to be a reference, yet I don't know them. Or, they, uh, or they're trying to sell me skincare through LinkedIn. You know, really understanding who your audience is, being genuine, be willing and able to do something for someone else before you ask them to do something for you. Uh, I get a lot of requests of people like, hey, can you help me out? Can you help me out? Can you help me out? But very rarely do they come forward and say, you know, what can I do to help you? Once you they do that, then coming back and saying, you know, I really would love if you can help connect me to this person. So give more than you take, being genuine and being respectful of people's times. People get most people get hundreds of emails every day. Do not fill their inbox with nonsense. Say, for example, that we're talking about Twitter for a moment. When should you retweet and when should you start an original tweet? How do you decide whether to just take what somebody else said and pass it on or whether to go read it, include the link, but include a comment of your own? Mm -hmm. So, again, it goes back to your goals. You know, who is your customer base? Who is your subscriber base? Who's watching you? You know, are they watching you because they think you're an expert in a particular industry? Are they watching you and following you because you're a president of a product they like? So you have to really understand what is your profile and who is the primary viewers of your profile and who follows you. Once you know that, you generally want to provide content that is relevant to that subscriber base. So um, I obviously have tons of executive women around the world that follow me. They follow me because they want to see relevant content to executive women. So on Purposeful Woman, I post my own content. I tweet about my own content. But I also retweet Forbes articles that are relevant, you know, five leadership traits for women. I retweet uh, articles that I get through the folks that I follow on Twitter um, of relevant content. So I'll retweet that, and sometimes I'll even take the link and post it on my fan book page, too, because it's such a great article. Uh, if I have a comment, a thought, in addition to what they're already commenting on that I think would be relevant and aligned to uh, my common brand and theme, which is, you know, proven strategies for high-impact women, then I will add that comment. But I don't chatter just to chatter. I don't type just to type. I want to make sure it's purposeful, and I want to make sure it's relevant uh, to the topic at hand. I've heard some people say that they will follow someone who follows them, but if they follow someone and that person doesn't return the favor, then they'll go and unfollow them. 
Is that the protocol? Is that what you should expect? Is it required, in other words? I think it goes back to being the genuine, right? So why are you following them initially? Are you following them just because it's a high school activity? I'll follow you if you follow me. I, I find that the way I run my business is I follow people because I'm truly interested in what they have to say. I admire their posts. I find them an expert in their field, or I am, I am very much um, a fan of the initiative in which they're driving. So whether or not they follow me, is I don't think is very relevant. I'm following them because I like what they have to say. Now, generally, if I retweet something they say or I comment on something they say, uh, they generally follow me back because I've taken the time to be interested in what they're doing. And I, I really think that being um, surrounding yourself around people that you aspire to be like or that you uh, gain from their knowledge and their expertise is just uh, is really just a gift in itself. And I don't spend too much time worrying about who's following me and am I following them and are they commenting on me. I really am trying to put forth a conversation that is relevant and helpful to uh, people that um, that follow me. And so I'm not so concerned if I retweet someone else's post that may not follow me. I've seen situations where one channel may have two different audiences, mm-hmm. and how, that can be a bit of a challenge. For example, you could have someone who's an author who may be communicating with fellow authors, but who may also have an audience of fans of people who read their work and are interested in them as authors rather than, let's say, as leaders or as colleagues. How do you go about distinguishing that? Do you open two different channels, or do you open one channel and say, okay, this tweet or this message is for colleagues and this one is for fans? How do you manage that? I think that's a great point, and people ask me about this often because I really have two different initiatives. I have, I'm obviously a woman in technology. I've grown up in technology, and uh, I do a lot of work around young women in STEM. And then I also have Purposeful Woman, which is, you know, strategies for high-impact women that may not be in technology. And so I've talked to a lot of experts about this, and you will get different answers from different people. Some people say it's one person. You should fold both brands into the same person. Other people say you should keep those different disciplines separate. To date, I have kept mine separate. So JJ Geronimo on LinkedIn and uh, my group Tech Savvy Women are generally around technology-based initiatives and women. Purposeful Woman is around high-impact women that could be in any industry. And so I essentially have two Twitter accounts. I have JJ Geronimo and I have Purposeful Woman. On LinkedIn, I have JJD Geronimo, and then I have groups associated with the two different types of women. I have tech-savvy women and purposeful women. So I think it's a personal desire. I think it's a personal opinion and desire of where you want. Some people don't want to have to comment in multiple locations. But I do think that if you have multiple brands or multiple initiatives under a brand that do vary, I think you could potentially confuse your audiences if you try to mix too many conversations uh, in one place. You've mentioned groups a couple of times. 
would you tell us about that groups and links, uh, I'm sorry, not links, uh, lists? What role do they play? How do you use them? When should you join one, et cetera? Yeah, can you tell I'm a groups fan? <laughs> I only mentioned it about 500 times. So I think groups are wildly, uh, are just, are just, have really played into my success in so many ways. Uh, I think groups really help narrow conversation focuses and align you to people that you're interested in meeting, already know, or are interested in impacting. And uh, I could probably spend a whole session on groups, but I will summarize it uh, as effectively as possible. So please ask questions to clarify. But essentially, and I'm going to start with LinkedIn because uh, LinkedIn, one of the things that I do a lot of mentoring of women on branding is I always say, you know, join groups that represent who you are now and where you want to go next. So if you are in a project management role and you want to move to a product development role, you should join both product management groups and product, uh, both product management groups and project management groups, which are different. Uh, if you are a, you know, uh, an executive at a company and you want to become an entrepreneur or you want to lead a nonprofit, you know, being in groups that are aligned to your executive role within your industry and then also where you want to go. So if you want to lead a nonprofit, executive nonprofit leaders, there's groups around that. I have found groups to be really helpful. When I was writing my book, I didn't know much about publishing. And so I joined several groups around publishing books. I learned so much from just watching the conversations. I reached out to people in the group that seemed to be experts for some one-on-one -on -one guidance. Uh, and I also have found my publisher through those groups. So I find that you should join the groups that are relevant to where you are and where you want to go. And you can join and unjoin very easily. It's, you can, you, as a free membership on LinkedIn, you can join 50 groups at a time. You can determine how often you get emails from the groups. Cause oftentimes with, when they do posts, people do posts, you can get a daily email or a weekly email. You can respond if you want, or you can just be an active reader. Uh, but I have found in the groups that are relevant by responding, more people connect to me. I get more relevant connections, and I've actually got many job opportunities. I've gotten many potential partnerships um, and partners that I've actually pursued, and I've actually gotten many speaking engagements out of groups. And uh, I just tell people to join the groups that seem relevant. Watch the conversation flow. If it's relevant to you and it's a good use of your time, continue to be in the group. If it's not, you can easily leave the group. It's very easy to do. And join new groups. And once you're in a group, anybody else that's in a group, you can reach out to without knowing their email address because you share the same group. So it's just a really, really easy way to get relevant information, relevant contacts, and potentially your next opportunity, whether it's a partnership, a customer, employee or your next role how is a group similar or different to a list um and when you say can you give me a little bit more details on a list i'm thinking for example about twitter there are lists in twitter oh, right. so yes. people will have a list of whatever, depending on the topic, and sure. they will add you to the list or invite you to be yeah. on the list, et cetera, et cetera. How is that similar to a group that you're talking about in LinkedIn? Oh, good. Thanks for the clarification. I was thinking of subscription lists, so that's why I need a little clarification. So very similar. Each social platform has different ways of grouping like people, 
right? So on on LinkedIn, it's groups. On Google Plus, it's circles. On Twitter, it's lists. And on Facebook, it's fan pages. Uh, so it's just gatherings of people that are interested in similar things. And I just would like to follow up with that is if you find an area where you cannot find a group, you should also consider starting your own group. I've started three groups on LinkedIn for three different reasons. The first group I started uh, was a customer-based group. Uh, I was in a, a customer-facing role for a few years back in the early 2000s. And I found that a lot of my customers wanted to communicate with each other. They wanted to learn best practices. They wanted to study for certifications together. And they would constantly use me as the conduit to get to these folks. So I started a LinkedIn group, which took all of 10 minutes. And I invited my customers that were in my network to this group. And it really helped in my sales cycle because now when customers ask for references or to talk to other customers about certifications or best practices, I would just suggest the customer to go onto this group, post what they're looking for, and somebody will, and generally another customer would respond. It really cut down my sales cycle and it also cut down my admin work because now I moved everything to the group where they could actually manage, um, their conversations and their relationships amongst themselves. And I did not have to be the point person to orchestrate all these conversations. The second thing I did uh, was I joined, I started Tech Savvy Women, an organization of women that, uh, that organization of women that uh, like women, that there wasn't an organization in Northeast Ohio. So I joined all my friends and I started a conversation among Tech Savvy Women and we joined and we created outings and events to do together once a quarter. And then the third group I started was Purposeful Woman, and that was really just to share knowledge across uh, executive women. And uh, each one of my groups has a very different goal and purpose, but each one of them have been successful because I understood who should join, what the purpose of the group was, and I've stayed true to that uh, as the group has evolved. And all three groups have hundreds and hundreds of uh, members, and uh, there's a lot of benefit from being uh, in a group that they have common conversation and common goals. These channels, individually or combined with the groups and lists and circles and so forth, they can suck a lot of the time of, from your productive day. How do you decide the best way to manage your time on social media. Is there a formula that you use where you spend 10% of your time on social media or you spend 15% or how do you figure out where to draw the line? Because before you know it, you could be spending all your time between the different channels and still run out of day. You know, I really think, again, it goes back to what are your goals? What are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? And how much do you need access to these people in these conversations? So, you know, some people spend 15 minutes a day on it because they just want to read a couple articles that are new in, you know, in the financial industry, specifically around manufacturing products. So they just might spend 15 minutes reading a couple articles. Somebody that has manages multiple groups and multiple initiatives may spend a couple hours just making sure that the content's up there, they're managing the conversations, and uh, they're getting, uh, you know, um, they're getting the right people in the right group, uh, they're getting the right conversation happening in the groups, and they're posting relevant content and keeping the conversation going. 
So I really think it depends on what are your goals, how many of the folks that you're trying to get access to participate, and how often do they post, and what do you do with the content? Because I think at the end of the day, it's really what, how are you going to impact your bottom line? And it could be a professional or personal bottom line with your own career, or it could be a business bottom line of additional customers, additional partners, and additional revenue. And, you know, once you dabble in this, you can see how effective it may or may not be. And I always encourage people, there's a lot of students out there today that are getting degrees in technology and specifically um, online marketing that really consider bringing in some interns to help with some of this activity. Because a lot of it is can be just a few posts every day, but a lot of companies I've been talking to are considering bringing in um, interns to help with their social media platforms since some of these younger kids I really are whizzes at it. Well, that's a perfect segue for my next question, which was, in which situations is it absolutely essential that it be you behind that brand? And in which cases can you farm that out to someone else on your staff or, say, in the case that you just mentioned, to a temporary staff person like an intern? You know, I think that you should always outsource things that are, don't really jazz you up. Uh, you only have so much time in a day, and if you have some financial means or you can barter some things here and there, uh, I think it's always great to get help in areas that don't excite you because it'll take you twice as long as somebody else that it actually excites. And, I, you know, in my own business, I hire people all the time uh, to help me with various things, and I have someone that specifically helps customize all my blogs. I'll give her the topic ideas. I'll give her some focused articles I want to highlight. And she often makes them look pretty and adds the pictures and all those things. Uh, and so I think you need to find people that believe in your cause or your business or your initiative, your product, and that can also resemble your voice. And that takes a little bit of time for them to sort of get your voice of what matters and what doesn't. Uh, and a lot of times they can uh, pre-post several things, you can review them, give the approval and send it out until you get comfortable with the way that they're responding on behalf of yourself or on behalf of your business. Uh, but I always encourage people, especially entrepreneurs, to spend time working on the business and not in the business. And this is a great uh, area to outsource either to interns or uh, individual contractors or to other uh, web development businesses. How do you make sure that the message remains your message and that it remains genuine? If you have several people that are working, say, on different channels or at different times, how do you get your arms around some sense of uniformity? Well, you know, it's no different than any other managing any other team, right, is that you have to manage your team. You, whether your team is remote or in the same office, regardless of the discipline, there has to be somebody at the helm setting the initiative. And there has to be time where you ramp these folks up, where you have, you know, whether they write it in Word documents and you approve it and they post it on a regular basis, or they're posting it within a tool like Hootsuite and scheduling it where you have time to review it. Um, you know, I think keeping your pulse on many of the posts initially until you get comfortable that that person is aligned with your voice. And it may take a couple people. It really may take a couple people uh, before you get there. I read some articles, I think it was specific to Twitter, that said the chances that your tweet would be read or be 
forwarded, retweeted, went up exponentially if you had a link um, or a visual, say a video link or a photo. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, so, so visual and video obviously are are, win- are winning right now. There's no doubt about it. And uh, I think that, you know, that's not always easy for a lot of people to do. Again, you have to have the expertise to properly, you know, record and uh, finesse a video so it looks and feels like your corporate image or your professional image. So I think tread lightly. You know, you want to make sure that you stay within your own personal or professional, your own professional brand and your business brand. But uh, I think the numbers show that video, you know, being the second largest search engine, that video is more interesting. For any of you who look on Facebook, I think the pictures get a lot more comments than any text uh, along, you know, similar stats to Twitter. People like to see things. I mean, if you think of the iPad these days, everything is at the click of a finger and people visually want to see uh actions, activity. And this is a great way, you probably from a company perspective, you should take pictures. Every Everything you do in your company, you should try to capture the video story or the, the photo story of what's happening. What about Pinterest? We haven't talked about it, but of course, it's very popular, certainly in the retail space. What can you tell us about Pinterest as a branding channel for your business? You know, I think it depends on again if you if you are in that field. I think it's if you are in the commercial or the retail field, it could be you could be wildly successful. But like everything else, it takes. It's not just posting the pictures in your products. You have to actively um, contribute on a regular basis, uh, highlighting your own stuff, but also other people. It's very reciprocal, and I think you just is. you get as much out of it as you put into it. And by just posting um, product up there does not lead to sales necessarily. One of the issues that many people have raised uh, specifically on Pinterest, but of course we know that it has been an issue on YouTube in the past and on other channels, has been that of intellectual rights people using photos that don't belong to them or using videos that are copyrighted. In the case of taking photos in your own office environment, there are the personal rights of those people who are there that you need to be aware of. What can you tell us about that? What kind of guidelines should you be following? (laughs) If you don't own it, don't post it. Okay, that's pretty simple. So if it's not your photo, don't use it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean there's ways to get photos off the internet that have uh, that have free rights, that have rights that you can search photos on Google uh, in the search engine. You put uh, free to use photos, but they're very slim and in between. It's really advantageous to either go out and buy the photo right off of many of the image sites. They cost anywhere from a few dollars to hundreds of dollars, or take the photo yourself. And if you take the photo or the video yourself and there's someone else in it, you need to be cognizant of that. You need to get their permission, right, before you use their image or their video? I think it depends on the state, but yes, I think you should check your state laws, yes. You talked about Hootsuite earlier, and of course there are many other similar ancillary tools. What are your favorites? Which ones would you 
suggest to our listeners that they check out? I, you know, I use Hootsuite sometimes. I mean, I have, get a big thrill of going to each platform because it is my business and, you know, it's not, it's not so be, I don't have so many products that I have to manage and monitor all the chatter. So I use Hootsuite to monitor how much my company has been mentioned in my name. And then also I use Hootsuite to sort through the tweets so that I can find relevant tweets to read quickly and repost if appropriate. So I find it a great sorting tool and a way to quickly identify a common conversation. Uh, but a lot of times I just go to each platform too. And I think there's tons of tools out there. This is a great way to leverage people uh, in your network. If you have somebody doing your web design or you have online marketing resources available to you, asking the tools that they use, especially if you're going to hire somebody. I, I think having a unified platform that you can both view is really important. And I can't mention enough about statistics and metrics to see what type of activity you're getting because some things you might not anticipate get a lot of traction, uh, actually get a lot of hits and other things that you are expecting to get traction get nothing. And you want to be able to monitor your time and your investment in areas that are actually building your subscription list or selling your products or impacting in, in some way impacting your bottom line. There have been cases of people who have gone on their social media channel and said things that have gotten them into trouble, even legal trouble, uh, libel, and so on. What guidelines would you share with our listeners on how to stay out of hot water in that space? Yeah, I guess a rule of thumb is if you wouldn't say it to someone's face or in person, probably don't say it on social media. Because there is a person on the end of the wire, and uh, it's not something you can hide behind. It, it is, it does make up your brand, and everything you say, you know, whether it's on your resume or face-to-face -face conversation or through social media, all of that really builds your professional brand. And you want to be cognizant and consistent to be building the brand of where you want to go. What direction do you see? social media taking, say, in the next year? Do you think there are going to be more channels? Do you think there's going to be a consolidation? What do you anticipate? You're out there with your finger on the pulse of the various channels. What, what are you seeing? I think video, obviously, video and uh, photos are going to continue more. In fact, uh, Instagram just upgraded to seven-minute videos. I just think that visual social media is going to continue to take the precedence and uh, applications. Obviously, you're already seeing Skype integrating. Google Plus Hangouts is going to become more popular. And I think more face-to-face -face conversations through the PC are going to become very, very relevant. And I think people are going to expect more and more people to be comfortable in this forum. And from a platform perspective, I mean, you, who knows what's being built right now? I know for sure from a professional standpoint, it's going to be difficult to decouple LinkedIn uh, with all the momentum there is to date. But I think uh, from a professional standpoint, you want to be sure you definitely have a profile on LinkedIn and Google Plus and have the integrations into Twitter. And it's not really something you can just build and forget because a stagnant page is, uh, is very noticeable, especially to folks uh, that are seeking you out, they will definitely look at your social media pages. So if you don't have the time, definitely invest in someone that can spend the time making sure that you have relevant content, 
uh, and some uh, relevant conversations online, especially of where you want to go and what things you're promoting and aligning to. Is there anybody out there, JJ, that you think has no business in social media? Are there business types or individual types who should not have a social media presence? Hmm, that's a good question. You know, I just think social media is just such a part of who we are these days professionally that it's difficult to, you know, I, I there's not a person um, out there probably that hasn't been searched Googly. Like someone has, hasn't used Google to search and find out who they are. So uh, I think it's almost difficult to say. I, I guess, you know, if you don't sit in an office, if you're not concerned about your brand, if you're not looking to get to the next level, if you're content in where you are and what you're doing, you might not need social media. If you're like looking to take the next step in your career, I think social media is a very relevant piece in your uh in your profile. What tips would you share with our listeners, say three suggestions, three takeaways for them that they can return to their work, to their projects, to their branding efforts and implement? Well, I haven't, I definitely have a white paper they can download that has steps, many of the steps that we talked about today. They can go to professional, or <laughs> they can go to purposefulwoman.com forward slash brand, B-R-A-N-D. And we have a seven-page white paper you can download that really helps you identify where you are and where you want to go. And it captures many of the things that we talked about. So that might be a very interesting thing to look at, really identify where you are and where you want to go and help you build that plan. Secondly, I think you know the first step in that plan is really identifying your goals. I would not jump into social media unless you understand what your goals are. Because you can quickly uh, muddy the water and have a very confusing message if you're not really clear on what you want to do and where you want to go. And uh, and I think third is, you know, don't be afraid to try new things. Get out there. If you have an hour at night while you're watching TV, open your iPad or your tablet or your PC and just start looking around. See what's out there. I think you'll be surprised of all the content, all the jobs all the uh, just uh, just really phenomenal experts and contacts that you can leverage and connect to through social media that you would never have the opportunity to meet or talk to uh, without social media. Thank you, JJ, for joining us from Cleveland, Ohio. Thank you. And to our audience, thank you for listening to JJ DiGeronimo, who is Chief Executive Officer of Purposeful Woman who discussed advancing your professional brand via social media. Please share your suggestions, questions, and ideas by leaving a comment on the HispanicMPR.com website. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at HispanicMPR.com. That's editor at HispanicMPR.com. 